0: Well good morning everyone. My name is Shane and I'm the worship associate here in Carn Money. It's great to be with you this morning in worship in this really special season of Advent. It's an incredible time to be around Carn Money right now, especially if you are new. God has been so evidently at work in the last few months. There's been new members, baptisms, New people, people coming to faith. We've heard about that at the Cap Christmas dinner even last night. We have a new minister, new ministries forming. There's been new leaders, new volunteers stepping up in lots of different ways. And God has been answering prayer in so many ways. And it does feel like we've moved in to a properly new chapter of ministry here in church. And so it is a total joy to be around this community especially at this time of year. And I hope that that is your sense, too, as you've come among us. Normally, I'm one of the people standing up here leading worship and singing uh, and leading the team. But today, I've been given the wonderful privilege of sharing from God's Word. And I mean that. It is a wonderful privilege to get to do this among a church family that I have come to to love so much. And so I do not take this, this lightly. Over this season of Advent, we're looking at some beautiful prophetic songs that we see in the Christmas story under the theme of A Thrill of Hope. These songs not only shed light on who Jesus was and what he really achieved for us, but they also encourage us as the people of God today who have the gift of hindsight. Isn't it beautiful That we get to look back at the full breadth of the Christmas narrative and of Scripture too. And that we get to marvel at the redemption story of the King who steps down. Who steps away from the glory of heaven to save and to serve us. And isn't it wonderful that we get to use these stories and truths to guide us as we look ahead at building the kingdom of God today. What a blessing God's word is to us. Last week, Stuart helped us to think through Mary's Magnificat, this wonderful, this marvelous outpouring of praise and prophecy that pours out of a humble, obedient, and pretty young girl. She's a young woman of faith when she's told that she will give birth to Jesus, who will be the Messiah. It is a startling and a remarkable declaration of faith in the face of impossibility and of such a huge calling. And this morning, we're moving on to look at the next song that we see in the Christmas story, and it's Zachariah's song. Today, we're hanging this message. I'm hanging this message on the title, Longing Fulfilled, because throughout this part of the narrative in the Christmas story and in Zachariah's song, we see two key longings fulfilled by God, and you'll see them on the screen. The deep longing of Zachariah and Elizabeth's life and two, the deep longing of the people of God. As we think about these two longings that are fulfilled in this part of the Christmas narrative, we'll reflect on what this story tells us about God's character, and then we'll think about what God might be saying to us today through this passage. So that's where we're going this morning. So first up, let's think about the longing fulfilled in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. In Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79, that was read uh, just a few moments ago. Thank you for doing that, Caroline. We see this beautiful prophetic song that is sung by Zechariah. But before we look at the content of this song and what that part of the story tells us, I'd love us to first consider who the singer is and to reflect on the backstory that led up to this song. Because, like every great song, the singer Their backstory and their circumstances really matter to what is being sung. So who is Zechariah and what is his backstory? Well, without retelling the whole story here, in the earlier verses of Luke 1, we find out that Zechariah was a Jewish priest who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. This priestly division was the 8th division of 24 clans of priests that were established many years before by King David. These clans performed priestly duties on a rotation in the tabernacle and then later in the temple in Jerusalem. Zechariah also had a wife. She was called Elizabeth. She's also key in this story. But as is noted in Luke 1, verses 7, they were both childless They had been struggling to conceive and they were now very old. So the chances of having a child naturally were pretty much zero. In this story preceding Zechariah's song, an angel of the Lord appears to him in the temple and this is what he tells him. says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Isn't that remarkable in and of itself? He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord to make ready a people prepared for him. So an angel appears to Zachariah and tells him that his prayer and the prayer of his wife, Elizabeth, for a child has not only been heard, but will be answered by God. Their deep longing for a child would be fulfilled. And in short, the angel tells Zechariah he will have a son who, as we know because of the gift of hindsight, will be John the Baptist. John the Baptist, this remarkable, unique man who will have the unique privilege of preparing the way for Jesus. Imagine that He will carry the great duty of telling the people that the Messiah, the Holy Savior of God, is coming soon and he will begin baptizing them. This is absolutely astonishing. God, in his kindness, answers the heartfelt and righteous prayer of Zachariah and Elizabeth for a child. And then what happens next in the story? Well, upon receiving this incredible news, Zachariah doubts. Zechariah doubts. He doubts God's word to him. And he says these words. He says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Interesting phrasing here, isn't it? He says, how can I be sure of this? Perhaps Zachariah's doubt isn't in the fact that something supernatural is obviously happening to him, to him here with the angel. Rather, Zachariah seems to be doubting God's word to him. Doubting how God will make this happen. And notice here that there seems to be an obvious contrast here in this story between Mary's response to the angel that we thought about last week and Zachariah's response to the angel. When Mary's told that she will bear a child, she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel explains. But here, Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this, i.e., how do I know this is truly going to happen? Mary, on the one hand, in faith, believes that it will happen and asks how it will. But Zechariah seems to doubt that this will happen, that God will do this. How do I know that this is truly from God? And when I thought about this, it reminded me of the disciple Thomas and his doubt of Jesus' resurrection, thus dubbing him with the title in Christian circles, Doubting Thomas. In the same way, perhaps we should label Zachariah, Doubting Zachariah. Zachariah, like so many characters throughout scripture, and if we are really honest, perhaps many of us today doubts God's word to him. How can I be sure of this? And remember, God sees into the heart of man, And therefore, as a result of Zachariah's doubt, the angel says this, Because you did not believe my words of this good news, you will be silent until your son is born. The angel shuts Zachariah's mouth. He removes his ability to speak. And he tells him that he will only speak again when his son John, John the Baptist, is born. So this is the backstory to this wonderful prophetic song that we're thinking about this morning. Zachariah will sing this song when his son John is born. So what are we really seeing here? What are we really seeing in the backstory to this song? Why am I retracing this part of the story to you? Well, ultimately, we see Zachariah and Elizabeth's deep longing for a child fulfilled. Their longing and prayer for a child is answered by God. And while I think that there are loads of incredible encouragements that we today can draw from this part of the story, one really resonated with my spirit as I prepared this. Here in this backstory, we see the stunning kindness of God. Here God honors Zachariah and Elizabeth. He hears their heartfelt prayers that were prayed over many years, a lifetime of prayer for this. And God responds to their righteousness. Earlier in Luke verses 1 and 6, it says this, they were righteous in the sight of God. And God responds to their humility, their devotion as part of the priesthood of Aaron. Can I encourage you from this today? Our God honors the righteous, and each one of us who know and love the Lord, who know and love Jesus, have been made righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus. So that means God hears your prayers, and God hears my prayers, and He cares. Although it may take years, like it did for Zechariah and Elizabeth, again, It might not happen in the way that we want at times. Again, like it did for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Who would want a child at this age in your life? Strange time in some senses for God to answer prayer. He answers their prayer. It is who God is. He is the God who answers the prayers of the righteous. He is always at work for the benefit of his people, and our God is so kind. And more than that, we see this kindness go even further because in the story, he doesn't remove his kindness nor his promise to enact his word when Zechariah doubts him. Think about this for a moment. It is well within God's right to remove his blessing from Zechariah and Elizabeth because of Zachariah's doubt. But God doesn't do it. He still gives them a son. God blesses the one who doubts him. God blesses the one who questions his sovereignty. God honors his own word. He honors the one who doesn't believe, does the miracle anyway, and he does it all for the glory of his name and for the benefit of his people. In this story, for the benefit of Zachariah and Elizabeth. What sort of kindness is this? It's not just an ordinary kindness. It's extravagant, holy, God kindness. It is extravagant. And more than this, we see this kindness go even further still. Because God doesn't just give Zechariah and Elizabeth any son. He gives them the privilege and honor of raising John the Baptist. Can you imagine the privilege of that? Remember John the Baptist, this remarkable man who would go before Jesus, prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah himself, staggering kindness, not just any son. John the Baptist, how kind is our God? What other God or deity is like this? Are you seeing this? in this story. Be encouraged from this part of the backstory this morning. This is the God that we serve, that we are here to worship, the God of the true Christmas story, and he is extravagantly kind. Question, do you recognize that you are in the presence of this extravagantly kind God this morning? He is here by his living word. He's here by his spirit. He's here in every face in the room, living creations reflecting his image. And if we are in the presence of this extravagantly kind God, should our worship not be extravagant? My prayer and longing as a worship associate here in church is that we would be a church family who extravagantly worship this extravagantly kind God this season. Maybe there's a challenge in that for us. Maybe there's a challenge for that for you this morning. So what do we see in the backstory to this song? Well, firstly, we see longing fulfilled in Zachariah and Elizabeth's lives by a stunningly kind and generous God. And now as we turn our attention to the song itself, the second longing that we see fulfilled in this passage is that of the people of God. And we'll unpack this just a little more. Let's think about the song itself. Fundamentally, this song is one of four revelatory and prophetic songs in the Christmas story that help to specifically foretell and affirm who the child called Jesus will be. This is a song about the one who will fulfill the deepest longing of the people of God, which was to see a Savior come. When Zachariah's son John is born, we read this. Immediately, Zachariah's mouth was opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And in the song itself, we read lyrics that foretell who Jesus will be. He will be the one who was written about and spoken of in the Old Testament, in the scriptures and by the prophets. He would be the Messiah that the people of God had been longing for for centuries now. Remember there there's 400 years of God's silence from the Old Testament until even now. In Zechariah's song, And I found this so encouraging as I prepared. In the lyrics of Zachariah's song, we find out that Jesus will be eight things. One, a horn of salvation, he will be a strong king. Two, he will be from the lineage of David. Three, he will, bring, he will bring about salvation and save the people of God from their enemies. Four, he will remember and fulfill the covenant given to Abraham. Five, he will give the people of God courage to serve him. Six, he will enable them to be holy and righteous. He will forgive them of their sins. He will be immediately preceded by John the Baptist. Incredible, isn't it? The lyrics of this prophetic song, incredible. It tells us that Jesus will be the fulfillment of scripture and he will fulfill the deepest longing of the people of God. And what's even more amazing is that the words of this song go out all across the land. In verses 65, after Zachariah's mouth is opened, we read this, all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about all of these things. This song that is the response to a supernatural message of God and a miracle of God goes out from Zechariah and moves throughout the whole land of Judea. It is talked about everywhere. So what are we really seeing here then from the song itself? What can we really learn from the lyrics of this wonderful song? Well, there are three things here that I'd love us to think about in the time that we have left. Number one, the song is evidence that Jesus would fulfill scripture and the deep longing among the people of God for a Messiah. Secondly, it reveals more of God's character and the reality that he alone can fulfill our deepest longing. And lastly, thirdly, it reminds us that we become worshipers when we see who Jesus really is. So let's work through these points. Number one, evidence about Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, there are a whole variety of prophecies about the one who would be the Messiah and a savior to a broken world. Among various other things, these prophecies included details about, one, what lineage he would come from, two, where his people would physically be, be and live, three, his birth, four, his ministry, and five, his eternal kingdom. And hear this, some scholars suggest that there are over 300 prophetic messages in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Astounding over 300 prophetic messages fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Without going through all of them, here are just a few examples. Genesis, he would come from the lineage of Abraham. He would be born to a king. He would establish a new everlasting covenant. He'll destroy the work of the enemy. Second Samuel, he would bring an everlasting kingdom and would be a descendant of David. Isaiah 7, 40, 61 He will be born of a virgin. He will be called Emmanuel. He would be preceded by a forerunner. He would set the captives free. Hosea 11, he would be called out of Egypt. Psalm 40, he would become the perfect sacrifice for sin. And Daniel 7, he will be a strong king, the ancient of days, whose dominion will extend across all nations and peoples. And that list goes on and on and on. All throughout the Old Testament, we have these very specific prophetic messages given to people by God who foretell who the Messiah would be. And now in the New Testament, this New Testament song adds to that evidence and helps to confirm who Jesus really was, that this child really would be the Messiah. Please hear me when I say this. If you are a skeptic this morning, if you haven't decided on who you think Jesus really is, if you are a doubter and you really don't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah, can I encourage you this Advent to go back and trawl through this evidence in Scripture and start to see that Jesus really was who he said he was. If you're on the fence about Jesus, please wrestle with this evidence. It is striking and significant. My prayer as you wrestle with this evidence, which again forms only, the, only part of the evidence about who Jesus was, is that you would see him for who he really is. So what do we see from this song? The first thing is that this child called Jesus would truly be the Messiah. He would fulfill scripture, and in so doing, he would fulfill the deepest longing of the people of God. Secondly, and a little quicker, the second thing that we learn from this song has to do with God's character. Really simply, this song is a reminder about who God is and that he is always faithful to his word. If you're here this morning and you're wondering what God is like, Or perhaps if you just need to be reminded of who God is and what he is really like, look again at the story of this song and these lyrics. In essence, we see that God is trustworthy. He is a fulfiller of prophecy. He is totally and utterly dependable. He is faithful to his word. And more than that, he is a holy and strong king, a priest who forgives, an atoning sacrifice, and an encourager. And because he is all of these things and so much more, he alone holds the ability to fulfill the deepest longing in our lives. Our longing to be in relationship with our creator. The Bible articulates for us that the deepest longing that each and every one of us has is for a redeeming Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Whether we are always aware of it or not, this is our greatest longing. And so as you read the lyrics of this song, perhaps as you go away later today and reflect on them in your own quiet time, please look again at the invitation here to recognize the beauty and majesty of who Jesus is and to receive him again and again and again, to see who he really is and to invest more and more of yourself in the relationship with him. He alone is the deepest, he alone is the fulfiller of our deepest longings. The third and final thing that we learn from this song, you'll be glad to know, is that revelation transforms us into worshipers of God. What we see in this story and through this song is a doubter become a worshiper. We touched on this a little earlier. Zachariah was righteous, but at this point in his life, when confronted with the angel's message, he doubts the word of God as it comes to him. When we get then to this latter half of the story, what we see is that when the miracle finally happens, when John is born, Zechariah moves from a place of doubt and silence to worship. Zechariah moves from being a doubter to a worshiper. And this is universally true for every single person who sees Jesus for who he really is. Revelation creates worship. This is our story every one of us who have come to know Jesus, including your minister, the session of this church, the staff members of this church, when we really see Jesus for who he is, we become worshipers. Once every single one of us were doubters, once we were all skeptics, once we were all far off. And then because of the work of the Holy Spirit and because of the scriptures, we became worshipers of a loving God. And worship is always the first response to God's love when we see and experience it, isn't it? Stuart talked about this last week. It's always been the same throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Exodus 34, Moses immediately bows to the ground and worships when God passes him by. Remember that remarkable part of the story. In Luke 7, a sinful woman bows at the feet of Jesus and washes his feet with very expensive perfume and with her tears. In Matthew 15, the crowds praise God when Jesus heals mutes, makes the lame walk, and makes the blind see. And it's been the exact same in my own story. When I was 19 and I came back to God after a year of being absolutely nowhere in faith, and I mean total disillusionment with faith, church, God, the whole thing, I remember so vividly God revealing Himself to me through the steady testimony and prayers and listening of others, one of which was Charlotte. And around that time, I remember sitting in my car in Strand Millis Gardens in South Belfast, crying my eyes out, and I don't cry. <laughs> crying my eyes out, listening to a song by Phil Wickham. And the chorus of the song goes like this. You are holy, great and mighty. The moon and the stars declare who you are. I am so unworthy, but still you love me. Forever my heart will sing of how great you are. Doubt to worship. Why do I lead worship here week on week? Why do I do this Why do the rest of these guys do it? Esther and Steph and Lauren and the rest of our team. Why do we do it? We do it because of God's transforming love. We have seen him, and our only response is worship. The point is this. When we see God for who he really is, And when we recognize and or experience his work in our lives, the only fitting response for us is worship. It is worship. And it's not the kind of stand up, sit down, straight laced, all put together kind of worship. That's not really what I'm talking about. It is undignified worship. We see it in this song. Zachariah, a Jewish priest, now risks an awful lot by declaring that this is the Messiah. This is a huge public claim. The Messiah is coming. And more than that, his testimony and prophecy goes far and wide. Do you not think that he would have been the talk of the town? Do you not think that he would have been subject to criticism or been called crazy? Do you not think he was risking his reputation? Perhaps he might have even been accused of blasphemy by some of the religious elite. The sinful woman who washes Jesus' feet does the exact same. It's wholehearted, undignified, messy worship, unafraid of the consequences, unashamed of how it looks, total fixation and adoration. And so it is with everyone who comes to see God for who he really is. So what's the third thing that we see in the lyrics of this song? Well, we see how revelation and encounter demands worship. There is no other fitting response when we're confronted with the majesty and the grace and the love of God. This morning we've thought about Zachariah's song. This beautiful and prophetic song in the Christmas narrative. We've seen in the song's backstory a man and his wife's deep longing fulfilled by a kind God who in the face of Zachariah's doubt chooses to generously bless and honor righteousness. He is the God of stunning kindness, and he is the God that we serve. We also thought about the lyrics of this song, this song that tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, which points us to the only one who can satisfy our deepest longing. And lastly, we've thought about this reality, that when we see Jesus for who he really is, and when we experience or recognize his work in our lives, that we are transformed by the Spirit of God into worshipers. As I close this morning, um, and as I invite Esther and the guys to come and and get set up, we're going to take just a few minutes to think through where we're at right now. And then we're going to pray together. Maybe for some of you here in the room this morning, or even those of you here watching online, maybe you need to receive the gift of Jesus for the very first time this Christmas. To admit that He alone can fulfil your deepest longing, and to enter into your relationship with Him. And if you're in any way unsure about what that looks like, what's well, really simple? It's a heartfelt and a serious yes to the God that we've just read about. It's a setting of your heart and mind to live for Jesus. That is it. And if you're here and you genuinely pray that in the next moment or two, we would love to pray with you after worship. Our prayer ministry team would love to do that. I would love to do that. Maybe for others in the room, the call of this Advent is just to fall back in love with Jesus. Perhaps if you're honest, your faith is cold, is doubtful, tired. Maybe you've just been going through the motions and if you're really honest, you've just been chasing other things and the direction of your life hasn't been towards Jesus. Maybe it's just slowly moved away from Jesus. Less passion, less connection, little love in your heart for God. If that resonates with you, perhaps the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to your dissatisfaction with where you are at right now and your dissatisfaction of trying to find joy in other things other than him perhaps God is reminding you of what you already have in Jesus perhaps God is calling you to reorientate your affections this advent towards him and so if that's you maybe you need to pray that the Lord would come to you this morning and in this advent season and reveal Jesus to you again So that he can restore to you the joy of your salvation. And so that he can redirect your affections to him this Christmas. Maybe for others you just need help this Advent. Maybe all this talk of a thrill of hope. Maybe all this talk of longing fulfilled. Feels a million miles away from where you're at right now. Perhaps things are just hard and have been hard for some time. Well, the good news is this, not only do you have Jesus who is our ultimate blessing, but you have a God who reaches for you every single day through the Holy Spirit. This story, like the whole of Scripture, reminds us that God moves first. His desire is to be with us, to carry our burdens and to walk alongside us. He comes to help harassed and hurting people. His ministry is light. He brings us rest. He comes to us today with grace and help should we choose to receive it. And remember too, Sabbath worship is God's invitation to us. He is already here. He was here first, not the other way around. He calls us to come to be healed and restored in his presence. Listen, perhaps this Advent, you just need help, and that's okay. God was here before you woke up today. He's been eagerly looking for you, waiting for you, like the Father who waits in the story of the prodigal son. Rest in him this Advent in prayer. Find moments of stillness. Get some worship music on. Get into the Word. Come and let us pray for you after the service. It will bring you healing and restoration and hope. Would you stand with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. And then Esther and Steph are going to lead us as, as we close this morning in song. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word this morning to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who fulfills our deepest longings. God, we thank you that you are the one who answers our prayers, who steps towards, who blesses us even when we doubt. And Lord God, we thank you that you fulfill our deepest longing, our longing to be in relationship With our Creator. But God, this morning we pray, we pray that for people who don't know Jesus yet, Holy Spirit, would you stir something in their hearts right now? For people who are on the fence about who Jesus is and was and what he really achieved, would you help them to make decisions, to wrestle with evidence? To ask you to reveal yourself to them. Lord God, for those of us who feel cold and distant and connected in our faith, disconnected in our faith, this advent, for those of us who feel like we've lost a love for Jesus, would you reorientate our affections towards Him this advent? We pray. We ask for your help with that. And God, for those of us this morning who just need help, Holy Spirit, would you be our helper in this season? Would you help us to find moments where we can come to you? Moments of still and calm and reflection where we can cry out to you and await on you and receive the care and help that you have for each of us. God, this morning, Help us to be people of extravagant worship. Responding to a God of extravagant kindness. Lord, we pray what we always do because we mean this. We love who you are. We thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you continue to do. Move amongst us this Advent, we pray. For it is in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen.